Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Brought to you by CornNation.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko. I am at peace this week because I feel whole. For too long, we have been a tripod missing a leg. But this week, we welcome back with open arms... Hoss Reuter. Cats and kittens, grab your mittens. This is Greg Mahochko, Hoss Reuter, and John Dam Johnson taking you through the evening and into the mystic. <laughs> wow. You've I been like planning that. this, huh? I was like, he wrote that down. No, I, uh, I'm a big fan <laughs> of the show Newsroom with uh, Jeff Daniels. And at one point, oh, he yeah. answers the phone going, cats and kittens, grab your mittens. This is... Will McAvoy and Jim or Ben Morrison taking you through the afternoon and into the mystic. Well, I like it. I feel yeah. I feel bigger and bolder yeah. than I did even moments ago. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's Gosh, been, you know, if I if I was on like a spiritual walk about out in the wilderness instead of student teaching, I'd have come back to society and thought, "What the fuck is going on?" Can we? Can we? I don't want to um, get into any specifics. I think one of the things you actually instructed us not to talk about uh, was, you know, the the student teaching aspect. But I, I'm going to break that rule. I just am curious when, because schools are closed. I mean, the the physical mm-hmm. buildings themselves are closed, and God bless them. You know, teachers and and are doing their best to, you know, just get the kids educated in some way. I mean, we get emails several times a week for our four-year-old in preschool. So I'm imagining, you know, that at, at higher, you know, levels of learning, it's, you know, there, there's just a a very, uh, like a constant stream of communication, but how difficult has this been, you know, the student teaching in a virtual you know, platform and maybe as, as you paint it with as broad a brush as you like or, or as uh, specific, but how have you seen, you know, like the, the educational community rallying to, you know, like get, you know, curriculums and things like that in, into that digital space so that, you know, they can function even at 70% or 80% or what, whatever percentage of normal? Well, I think the biggest thing, the biggest challenge first and foremost would be doing all of this online and not being in the classroom with your students. Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're going to be a teacher, you have to like to be around kids for eight hours a day. 
And so the biggest thing that stands out to me is it's, as I'm grading online assignments or emailing students, you know, ask them if they need any help with the this week's lesson that we post on Microsoft Teams is, you know, hey, like, wow, I actually really miss being in the classroom with them, interacting with them, you know, seeing their personalities because you have to enjoy that aspect in order to make it in education. But I've been fortunate enough to have a mentor teacher who has really adjusted on the fly with all of this. And what she has done is she's taken what we were planning on doing for the rest of the semester and paring it down to one basic concept each week from each of those units and posting a lesson on Microsoft Teams each week. They have from Monday through Friday to work on it. So like last week, it was about the Lincoln assassination. This week, it's about sharecropping. Um, in a few weeks, I'm writing an entire lesson on tenement halls in New York City and Chicago during the industrial era. And so it's forced us to really think on the fly. It's kind of, you know, it's like Apollo 13. They're all in the, you know, NASA lab trying to figure out how to get Tom Hanks and Kevin Bacon and was it Gary Sinise was the other one, you know, uh, back um, Gary Sinise was, Bill at, yeah, Bill Paxton. Gary Sinise was uh, fortunate to be, uh, I mean, unfortunate, I guess, but he he was he was a mission control. Um, so I, I guess this is both a compliment and, you know, a, it's a backhanded compliment to our fearless leader. Not every elderly person is as uh, technically savant as John Dam Johnston. Uh, the you know there is I'm sure an older population of teachers have they been able to adapt fairly well to you know the this new way of going about things. Yeah, they have, um, and that's one of the, that's a testament to teachers being some of the best problem solvers out there. You know, being able to shift and adjust a lesson on the fly lends itself to a lot of other things where you need to shift and adjust on the fly. So they've gotten the hang of it. Um, trying to video conference with other teachers for our weekly meetings. That's still, you know, a work in progress for myself included. You know, last week we had one and about a minute before it started, I realized that I didn't have the correct browser downloaded to my laptop that would have allowed for video. Um, so I was just doing it only with audio. But it's kind of an all hands on deck. Everyone's just trying to figure this out. Um, no one really has the answers, obviously, right now. But like I was saying to you guys before we started recording, I think what comes out of this is that school uh, departments of education and school boards and districts are going to have teachers and building administrators develop you know, a parallel curriculum for online learning should something like this ever happen again. You know, some people I see on Facebook saying, well, how come teachers weren't prepared for, you know, online learning? And why do I have to be doing this for my kid and I'm not getting paid? And it's like, well, this is a pretty unprecedented situation. Right. That we're in. This uncharted waters. Um, last pandemic we had of any great scale was the Spanish flu back in 1918. Um, and when you close schools back in 1918 they just go home they, they take their books you know home they do some reading but you can't communicate new assignments to them yeah john i mean so in, john in, you were probably a lot back yeah then. the spanish flu in 1918 what was it like i mean 
Yeah, it's the same old shit as it is now. You know, you get drunk, you shoot things, you go farming. It, there you go. So instead of a run on toilet paper at the general store, is it a run on uh, corn cobs and old seal, Sears Roebuck catalogs? Well, the Sears Roebuck catalog thing was, you know, I mean, those things were everywhere. <laughs> so, you know, and I mean, if, have you ever held a Sears? I, I mean, in its prime, did you ever? Oh, yeah. Do you even know? Oh, yeah. I mean. They're, they're I'm just old enough to remember back in the day with J.C. Penney's catalogs getting sent to the house all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the Sears Roebuck catalog was as thick as four Bibles, <laughs> and that's the King James version only Bible, right there. By God, that's a lot of yeah, shit. It's, it's it's been an interesting past few weeks, past month. Um, I went on spring break from my school had spring break from believe March sixth or 7th, March 9th through the 13th. And on the 13th, I was notified that we were going to be closed for another week. And then that week was when there were two more community spread cases in Omaha. So it was, hey, we're going to push this out another week. And now it's just, we're closed indefinitely. And it's not looking like we're going to be back. At least, you know, the school year for the school that I'm teaching at runs into just up to June, if not a little bit into June, I graduate May 6th from UNO. So I think it's pretty doubtful that I'll be back, but I'm also holding out some hope because I would really like to get back into the classroom and uh, finish this thing out on a good note with everything being situation normal again. Well, let's... I have to say that uh, that's really noble of you. I mean, I was a Cub Master in Scouts for 10 years. I coached soccer for a decade, but that was only like an hour at a time with with uh, kids. Uh, if I had to teach kids, I'd, I'd just I'd put them in a big cauldron and boil them, <laughs> throw in some onions, and I'd feed them to the other kids. You know, because the, I got to tell you, I got to tell you this. You might love your own children. But they're not human. They're little fucking savages is what they are. <laughs> they're emotional and terrorists. They, they're horrible. They're just tiny little. Did you ever see the cartoon Recess? Do you remember yep. that at all? I do. Okay, yes. well, the kindergartners were all little savage kids. Yep. Yeah, okay, except that it's not kindergartners. It just keeps going up until they're like, I don't know, some some kids maybe 14, 15. But, you know, teachers are teaching the kids to be humans, and that's what parenting is too. But I would not do that for any reason whatsoever. You couldn't pay me enough to do that. You couldn't sedate me enough to do that. So oh, there, there, there are some days. There are some days that I left student teaching. Just you know, I don't wear a tie when I teach. Usually, I'm just wearing a polo or a pullover. And but if I was wearing a tie, I mean, it would be totally crooked, loosened. Hair would be a mess. You know, just. There, there are some days that are challenging, uh, just like any job. There's the good days and there's the bad days. Mondays are usually among the bad days. So I will say in, in IT, I've worked with uh, a lot of K through 12 districts all over the nation uh, in various aspects. Years ago, we worked with Lotus Notes in collaboration, probably in 1995, 1997. I tried working with a school district in Alaska. And what was unique about this district was that it was an enormous, massive 
district in terms of geographical area. And what they wanted help from us was was setting up applications so that they could put classes online because some of their kids were located in remote villages that, you know, they had no way of actually ever going to class. They were in the middle of literally in the middle of the wilderness, but they had like satellite internet. They were starting to get that and things like that. And they wanted to figure out how they could get out to them. So um, I think the online learning thing that needs to be, it needs to be something that, that has to continue now for everybody. I, I think it's an important aspect of our lives, mostly because I think that it gives people an opportunity to, uh, well, put it this way. When I grew up in western Nebraska, we didn't have any foreign languages that I remember, you know. And my understanding is now Nebraska, the education, whatever, the education department in Nebraska provides like online learning opportunities to people in my hometown so they can learn Spanish or French or I don't know, Chinese, Russian, whatever, whatever country is going to take us over after this is seems like it's over and it's not. But you know what I mean? I think that you'd need the opportunity Mm -hmm. for people to have uh, access to, for example, well, I could go on. Hey, if you're in high school and you're a good enough student, why shouldn't you have access to college courses? My kids took so many college courses that, that, you know, my rotten son went to college as a sophomore. So why shouldn't you have access to that? I realize that's not everyday life, but this is something that needs to continue on after we figure out this whole virus thing and life goes back to normal if that's possible. You know, like you're saying about online learning, I, I'm always going to be the person that in terms of college classes, I prefer to be on campus, which is why I applied for master's programs that are on campus. You know, I don't want to do an online master's program, but over the course of getting my undergrad, I was always really appreciative when there was like, hey, you got to take uh, intro to sociology and modern problems, the equivalent of sociology too. Um, none of these times fit with your class schedule, but they're available online. It's like, okay, you know, take them online. I get, you know, still get the same amount of credit as I would in person, but that frees up my day to be able to go to work, to be able to work on, you know, stuff for my teaching practicums, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, online learning, it's, it's beneficial. And just like anything else, you know, as you arrive to a new point, you know, in life, adapt or die. Well, let's talk. Adapt or die, Greg. Let's go. Okay. We're going to adapt uh, to life without sports because that's where we've been. Since uh, the first night of the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament. And it seems like it was 30 years ago. It does. It seems like so long ago when... Uh, now you fuckers know what being old is like. <laughs> Wait, that just slipped up. Time went faster when you got old. Yeah. John. Wait, no, never mind. Anyway. Um, but when you're quarantined. Noah Vedral, Brant Banks. Quarantined? Can I can I talk can I talk guys? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You have the floor skipped. Noah Federal, Brant Banks, uh, in the probably the last bit of athletic uh, activity that they would have in their, you know, spring in this spring semester, get into the game late in uh, Nebraska's loss to 
uh, Indiana, and boy, uh, we, it's been uh, it's been a dry spell ever since. Obviously, I think that night uh, is when the NBA suspended their season. NHL followed the next day. The Big Ten men's basketball tournament was uh, canceled uh, within days. March Madness was canceled. Last week was opening day for the Major League Baseball season. Today, um, April 1st, was, was supposed to be the uh, uh, home opener for the St. Louis Cardinals, which is like a holiday of its own in St. Louis. Um, spring game was Down canceled. Hmm? Down there in Missouri. Down in Missouri. Uh, the spring game was canceled. Spring practice, spring football was canceled. Uh, and there is legitimately no end in sight for you know when we could get athletics back i mean we i don't i don't i don't want to dwell too long on it i mean it's it just because i don't know anything you know nobody knows when this is going to be uh you know um solved over yeah over yeah but if you guys had to project okay it's like your I don't know. You're okay. It's got to be everything's got to be over and disinfected by this date, so we can have Husker football in any capacity. I mean, do you do you go with a shortened season? Do it if it gets to September? Do they just say you screw it? We're not having football this fall. I mean, what what's your point of no return as far as you know? We've this is. The final date that we're eyeing, we've circled this date, and if there's still coronavirus, you know, on this date, then we're not having football. I mean, what what would you guys would, gauge it as the date? I would date say you could go all the way up to, you know, if it's late October and it's finally looking like the coast is clear, play the scheduled games that you were going to have in November. Uh, okay, now, I, I, I've seen coaches state that that for example for them to have football in the fall uh that they need like 30 to 45 days to get everybody ready what do you think of that um yeah because if you're not allowed if if you can't have guys in the weight room lifting weights and let's face it a lot of guys probably don't have access to lifting weights right now unless they have a home gym in their garage um so what we're really saying condition. is, well, and then it well, installs for installs, you know, offensive and defensive and special team schemes. You're probably looking at 30, 45 days because fall camp is about 30 days long. And then when you tab in, you know, include the 15 fall practices, that puts you right at about 45 days. Okay, is that all that? Do we really need all that? I'm I'm from the generation that walked uphill both ways to school, which I actually did, by the way. Okay. Well, Steve Steve had a really good. We 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 rode horses, whatever. You know what I mean? Steve Spurrier had a really good interview today where he talked about how you could give guys a month to get ready for a season, and would it be really really good? No, but it would still be good enough. And everyone's I mean, either, on the same. Doing that, everyone's on a level. Or you're, you're, a lot of athletic departments are going to go broke. Yeah, that that's another thing to consider too. So seriously, with three days before a season, be, or hell, I might be diagnosed with clinical depression if 
college football season gets canceled. There is that. But I, I mean, if it comes down to it, I mean, I realize coaches want to put their best product out on the field and what we get might suck shit, but it'd still be football. I think they're making so, way too much of this stuff with everything has to be perfect. Learn three plays. Go run them. Just like the old uh, the veer, right, Hoss? Yeah, just like Novocaine. Just give it time. Always works. Reminds me of what I've been working on during my time in quarantine. The COVID-19 offense socially distances the defense <laughs> apart from each other. Spreads like wildfire. Can't be contained. Oh, by God. I, I'm so glad to have you back, Hoss. I don't know when yeah, we're going to meet again. Back. I don't know when we're going to meet again, but uh, we'll meet Nova again. Novocaine, give it time, it works. You sat around, you literally sat around writing up this shit while you weren't here. Greg, would you like to tell him? Remember the Titans, baby. Yeah. Okay, it's a movie line. Well, the the uh, he, he's like, I, I run... Uh, I don't know, something, something fear. Give it, uh, just like, works just like Novocaine. Give it time, it always works. And then Haas added the, uh, the other stuff about the spreads like wildfire and the social distancing defense and things like that. So, yeah. COVID 19 offense. The COVID new air raid. 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, two receivers, mobile quarterback, a lot of gap scheme, blocked plays, pulling guards, play action, screens. Well, Hoss, since we have you here and we haven't had you in a while, any anything Husker-related that you've wanted to uh, chime in on that you're like, son of a bitch, I just got to wait until I'm back on the Five Heart Podcast? Honestly, or not re- You know, I was going to say not really, and then I started thinking. Greg Austin's promotion to being run game coordinator – I really liked what he said in an interview. It must have been the week that the whole world went to hell because spring practice was still going on. When he said that, when you look at our games against Iowa last year, we were trying too much to run around them instead of getting north-south and running downhill on them. And he said you know, he wanted to emphasize technique and driving people off the ball and developing our run game to being more north-south. That was very encouraging because I think that's an element that we have to have in this offense, especially in this league. And when you take a look at some of the great running games that are in this conference, like Ohio State and uh, Penn State when they had Saquon Barkley, they just get after people, you know, displacing the line of scrimmage, running north-south, not trying to outflank the defense. There's always going to be room for those elements when you're calling a game. But I was really encouraged to see him talk about revamping the run schemes to being more direct and, you know, emphasizing the techniques needed just to drive people off the ball. And I really like what he talked about Matt Farniak's possible move to left guard because that means that someone, whether it's Bryce Benhart or Turner Porcheron, would be ready to go at right tackle. What um, and I was just uh, thinking of a, a question about the offensive line, and then um, I don't know if you answered the question that I had formulating in my brain, but the O line. So I, you know, I'm Captain Obvious here. I get that, folks, but it's so integral in that you know in in 
I mean, anything, be it, you know, uh, pass blocking or, or, uh, you know, or, you know, pass protection or, or, or run blocking, you know, opening holes. Where, knowing what you know and speculating what you, you know, just said, who's your, what's your, you know, starting offensive line in 2020 when we have football back? And, Obviously, you got you know like Cam Jurgens, who's going to be you know a full year under center, with you know the another year in the weight room, and you know he had uh, a, a as far well we knock on wood a, a healthy off season, you know things like that, and, and a year of experience. But like, what's your what's your Mount Rushmore plus one of uh, what, what's your offensive line looking like if if you were uh, if you had to say Hoss? Left or right, I would say Brendan Hymas. I would actually probably put I would put Matt Farniak at left guard, just because that athleticism between Farniak and Hymas on the blind side of whoever's starting at quarterback, whether it's Adrian Martinez or Luke McCaffrey, is needed against edge rushers. Um, Cam Jurgens. At center. And then Bo Wilson at right guard. He kind of – he didn't have a great 2019 season. I kind of wonder if he might have been banged up. But uh, I really liked what he showed in 2018, that first year under Frost. And then I would have to say probably Bryce Benhart. Uh, give him the edge at right tackle over a guy like Turner Corcoran just because – Ben Hart's been in the college weight room and practice field and film room for a year already. Well, on the other side of things, we're going to talk about a, a, an incoming freshman defensive lineman, but in doing so, we're going to talk about the fact that he went like 179 and 0 as a high school wrestler, uh, and that's the the polar bear uh, Nash Hutmacher. I mean, it's just uncanny ability that he has and how long do you think it is until he sees the field is he like does he and 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 let me i guess does he have game-changing start as a true freshman or is it because of that position you really got to get them in and let them get in into the weight room for a year first and build up a little more Well, I think, I, I think that he has the strength. I mean, he has very uncommon strength, obviously, when you look at you know the numbers from the weight room. Zach, you know, is a football player and is a heavyweight wrestler. So I think he's going to be stronger than probably a majority of the guys playing college football on the front lines. But one thing he's going to be lacking in is just that savvy veteran uh, know-how of playing the position. So I don't think he's going to – come in there and be like a you know what Tommy Harris was at Oklahoma in the early 2000s you know just dominant as a true freshman but I think you're going to see a guy who is going to be a quality player as a true freshman and he's just going to improve from there and he's the kind of guy that by the time he's a senior you know he's kind of built in that mold to be an all-american defensive tackle he's um and and don't get me wrong I'm 100% glad that he's you know a husker but he's got 
those qualities. Oh, you know, I'm not even going to finish that sentence. I didn't like where it was going. Uh, he, he reminds me of a Wisconsin defensive lineman. Yeah, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna go. He, I was gonna make it an, an even darker, uh, take it to an even darker I, place. Yeah, because because the the success he had wrestling and and say what you want about yeah. Iowa and I hate him, but they have a, a, a top wrestling from a purely from a purely clinical standpoint of just X's and O's and technique and football. What Iowa does with their front line players on the offensive and defensive line is a beautiful thing. They take guys who are functionally strong. They have good functional movement. They're good athletes, whether, you know, in football, basketball, wrestling, track. And they get them in the weight room and they just, they churn out, you know, just a line of ass kickers that just maul you up front. But because it's Iowa, I don't want to give them any. Exactly. I don't want to give them any leeway. You know? I feel Let dirty even talking about it. Like it. I, I do. I feel I feel a little dirty just mentioning it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk again. We, we've we've had this is by far the most unusual off season we've ever had because you know it's mm-hmm. April first. I think last year this time we had Keith on talking about uh, Nebraska baseball. We don't have any Nebraska baseball. Uh, or softball or track or anything going on. So we just have to go back and, and get Haas's, uh, thoughts on more off-season stuff. Uh, attrition and, you know, uh, commits and, and signings. Anything that surprised you? Any, any players who, and, and we, uh, John and I talked about this last week. You know, he medically retired and then he en- entered the transfer portal. That's, uh, Javon McQuitty. Who's you know who was a four star you know recruit out of high school, but because of injuries and other you know circumstances, never. I, I you know I'm not saying he got a raw deal. He just never had the opportunity, uh, or you know was healthy enough to make the most of an opportunity. But any any surprises of you know players who are leaving or or who have left Lincoln for what they perceive as greener pastures. Well, I thought I thought Barrett Pickering's departure was a little bit odd. Um, he had the injury issues last year, but sound to me it sounded like he was somebody whose heart just wasn't really in it. Mm-hmm. You know, to play for the investment of time and effort that it takes to play major college football. Uh, McQuitty, I can understand why he medically retired, and then he may have decided, hey, I'm going to try it out somewhere else. You know, ended up entering the transfer portal. But it's disappointing that he didn't pan out because, like you said, he was a big-time recruit coming out of Columbia, Missouri. And he just thought that, you know, he could have been kind of that difference-maker receiver. And he never really got the opportunity to be out on the field because of those injury issues, aside from maybe a spring game. I want to say maybe he had a touchdown catch in Frost's first spring game. Mm -hmm. But nothing too, you know, out there, with the exception of J.D. Spielman, you know, taking a leave of absence. Um, whatever he's going through, I hope he's able to work through it. The guy, you know, his, his physical toughness should never be called into question. That guy got laid out to dry on a lot of, you know, a lot of throws um, against Illinois last year, going down the middle, splitting the safeties. He, you know, he'd make the catch, but he he paid for it. And right. Some of those hits, some of those hits the past few years have taken some mileage off of his, you know, career. In my opinion, no. it's the uh, it's it's the Rod Tidwell 
approach, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so that, that's a bummer. I hope he comes back. Um, because he, he's a hell of a playmaker. Um, you can tell that from day one. I mean, first time he ever touched the ball as a kickoff return for a touchdown against Arkansas state to open the 2017 season. Um, but you also saw both those years, 17 and 18, he wasn't able to finish the season healthy. Yeah. Um, 17, he had he messed up his shoulder against Ohio State, and then he re-aggravated against Penn State, and he had to miss the Iowa game. And then in 2018, he got hurt against Illinois and missed the Michigan State and Iowa games. And I still say that if he was healthy against Iowa in 2018, that he's another downfield threat that – probably would have helped us win the game. I think we would have win the, won the game if we would have had J.D. Spielman out there. Just because some of the throws, there's one in particular that Adrian threw to Stanley Morgan and uh, Iowa safety undercut the route. Um, if J.D. Spielman's on the field, he's probably taking that safety deep or across the middle on a deep crossing route, and that safety's not in position to make that play on the ball. I want, to, so. I want to get your guys' take on this because I don't think we've talked about it from this particular vantage point, but, you know, J.D. left the team before, like, the coronavirus stuff and, you know, that they suspended, you know, canceled the spring practices, however you want to look at it. His not not knowing in, entirely his, you know, situation, what's going on, it's I – mean, he obviously was going heading home – um, but do you think all the time at home, and I don't know if isolation is the right word, but it's not like he's, you know, getting together, you know, with, with buddies and hanging out. He's about like everybody else in, in the country and he's just kind of staying at home, looking at the four walls or watching, uh, Tiger King or whatever the hell's, you know, on every, <laughs> we'll talk about that soon, but, but do you think this is going to kind of rejuvenate his his mind and spirit, or do you think it's going to, I, I, again, not knowing exactly his circumstances, but like sink him, you know, and and get him mentally further away from from the program from football. I think that it could definitely rejuvenate him. Um, I don't mean to, you know, it's not my intention to get biblical on y'all, but you know, kind of the being isolated and kind of, you know, wandering through the wilderness, so to speak, that can do some good to kind of wash off the barnacles that, you know, build up as you go through life. You know, it can kind of rejuvenate you. And when you come out on the other side, you're fresh, you have a new perspective. And on the other hand, if his mind's made up, like when he left Lincoln, got in his car and went driving back to Minneapolis, if his mind was made up that he wasn't coming back, it probably hasn't done anything except right. just, you know, reiterate to him that he's making the decision he wants to make. John, but, uh, you've been around for so long that instead of barnacles, you've got ballnacles. Uh, they're barnacles on your balls. Um, you want to weigh in on this situation? And you would know this how, Greg? I can't disclose my sources. God. Uh, it's more of an educated guess than anything. You were going to ask, I what? 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 Huh? You were asking. I, I was just, I was just wanted you to weigh in on the topic. I don't think. I think that uh, right now, JD Spielman's 
situation probably isn't unlike a lot of other athletes. I think they're all looking at this situation, I mean, and wondering what the hell is going on and what am I going to do from here on out? And how my how is my life going to start? You know? I Everybody's would, walking a lot more, right? Yeah. So two days ago, two days ago, I was walking down our path and I ran into a young woman who was a graduating senior. I mean, did you not was, see her? She was, da, da, da. <laughs> she was taking pictures of herself with a, you know, one of those selfie sticks. And she just she started talking to me. It was she was a very lovely, nice young woman, and she said, "You know, these are my senior pictures. Nobody else would take my senior pictures for me, so I went and took my own." And I, you know, I asked her questions about, you know, you're not going to be able to attend graduation. She said, "You know, I I really kind of am disappointed a little bit, but in the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter to me that much to walk across the stage and get my diploma." Uh, she hoped she could still go to college this fall and major in social work. And she, and to which I said, you really need to look at the list of essential jobs and pick one of those as a major. Mm-hmm. But while I was walking away from her, I thought, what the hell? I mean, you're 18 and you're starting in life. And the prospect of you getting a job right now if you're graduating from high school just to make some money or if you're a graduating senior in college has to be somewhat terrifying because we have Mm -hmm. no idea what this economy is going to look like when we come out of this mess we don't know what the changes are going to be you have to react to this stuff on a daily basis and you what would you think i mean if we're if we don't have football for a year what's going to happen to all these football players are they all going to turn into mush balls I mean, that goes for basketball, every other sport. I mean, what's well, – can't, you can't go out and play football. I, I think, you right? know, if, if you don't it, – it's going to be uh, – it's going to be easier for college uh, athletes versus high school. And I'll, you know, because in college you could be granted – I mean, we, we saw it with pretty much, you know, a sweeping declaration – for any spring athlete, you will, you know, maintain a year of eligibility. So, I mean, John, to what you mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we might still get, probably not, but we might still get Mojo Haggy back next spring. Um, you can have the same, same thing could be said if there's no football in the fall, but you're still going to have freshmen coming in. Like, you're not going to, you know, repeat your senior year of high school just to get that senior year of football, I don't think. Um, Unless you're That's in. assuming you have a college to attend because if you don't have football in the fall, you don't have a college to attend either. Well, no, you have yeah. Nebraska. They, no, they're not going to – they're not just going to have – hey, we can't have sports. Then they're not going to have a college either. You, you get can, that? Yeah, I mean you can – You might be able to do online courses in I the see what fall, you're but – you're not going to have people coming back to dorms. You're not going to have people coming back to classes. You're not going to have life as normal as we know it. And in fact, uh, if we're that, still doing in this in the fall, then we're probably in a lot more trouble than we think we were. That's but one that's of the things that's been on my mind as well. You know, with graduating, you know, May May eighth, and then you know, trying to get into graduate schools. Um, what you know, everything's just uncertain right now, and it's kind of a it's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow when you do everything that you can that's in your control and then something comes up that's 
way beyond the grasp of anyone else's control and it it sucks you know you feel like you can't really plan for the future right now but i and i'm not just to finish my thought for anybody who has uh aspirations of playing professional football basketball baseball hockey were applicable um you're gonna have a you know a, a talent pool that's twice as large for still the same amount of you know, uh, available spots, you know, like they're not going to, at least I can't see the NFL extending it to, you know, 10 draft rounds. I mean, it's still going to be, you know, one on Thursday, th- two or whatever on Friday and two or three, whatever it is. And then the rest on Saturday, they're not going to have 10 rounds in the draft. It's, you know, you're going to have more guys possibly playing overseas or more guys, you know, like a Wyatt Mazur, uh, saying that, you know, they're, uh, retiring from football. Um, or, you know, the XFL is a viable option because they have a three-year agreement and they were by and large putting out some not always great football, but some entertaining football. Um, and yeah, awesome. I don't even know if we, we never even got to talk about the XFL. I, I went to their, uh, home, open, uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks home opener with my son and we got uh, a couple of those rally towels and, and it was a lot of fun and, you know, they were talking about watching it every weekend. And they were, you know, in St. Louis anyway, they were talking about the need to open up the uh, upper bowl because they were packing in 29, 30,000 fans. And, you know, you can, you might not sell out the entire upper deck, but you can get more than 30 fans in there. And that was a great atmosphere. There were more fans, <laughs> there were more fans there for that uh, St. Louis Battlehawks home opener than there were for probably the last two, three years of the Rams. And that, you know, just, and they were all, you know, just down closer to the field instead of, you know, the, the nosebleed seats. And hell, we paid 40 bucks maybe for our, you know, two seats, 40 bucks a piece. It was very reasonable on a Sunday to spend with my son. It was, it was a great time. Um, but you know, you're going to have some places for some of these kids to go and some of them, you know, not so much, but you know that the wheat will be separated from the chaff, so to speak. You know, it's it's amazing to think back. I've caught myself thinking back to this a few times already throughout the past three or four weeks. To that night when Nebraska was playing against Indiana in the Big Ten champion mm-hmm. or Big Ten championship. I wish we were uh, close. Big Ten tournament. It was really close to the championship game. It was the last game. It might as well have been the championship. But. It's just weird to look back on that. You're able to really pinpoint it and go, you know, the world changed that night. Yep. It was I, the, mean, uh, I was alive for 9-11. I was 10 when 9-11 happened. So I was old enough to really grasp what was going on. Like I, I could understand what was going on, what had happened. I couldn't grasp all the domino effects that come, that came from that. And then being, you know, 29 years old, when this happens, you got a whole new set of things that you're thinking about when this unfolds. How is this going to affect the economy? How is this going to affect, you know, how is this going to affect my life, the people that I love, you know, just, you know, the greater public in general. And so it's weird, you know, it's, um, it's, I, 
you know, life's going to go back to normal eventually, whenever that might be. But at the same time, we, you know, we don't know what that new normal is going to look like. To, and I like, I, I don't like bringing this up, but I feel it's necessary for a lot of people to get perspective. At, after 9 11, like Walt Disney World, Disneyland closed for a day. In 2020, with the COVID-19, they have been closed now for over two weeks. And, I mean, look, I'm not saying that, you know, Walt Disney Corp doesn't care about people, but they also care about cash quite a bit. Uh, so for them to, you know, take that hit, because th- those parks m- print money for them, I mean, that, again, I, I think it's a pretty apparent example of the gravity of this situation that we face and you know i don't know if they're playing it on on radio stations where uh you guys live but it's on the radio stations here and you see it you know it's like we're all in this together yeah we are as long as we stay six feet away from one another Mm -hmm. (laughs) going to the stores has been weird you know um anytime you need to run to costco walmart anywhere um, people are much more subdued, um, and you know, it's just it's different. We're all in it together, but we're all pretty isolated from one another, as you pointed out, with six feet away. Which is why I appreciate you know conversations like this with you guys. I know uh, you know meetings. It, it one of the early memes going around social media was, you know, it's like, it's about to find out how many of these meetings were able to be emails all along, you know, things like that. But, you know, they're, they're using technology, you know, we use Skype, but Zoom, I've, I've, I heard of Zoom for the first time last week. And, uh, my Knights of Columbus chapter is going to use it, uh, this, this week for, you know, the monthly meeting, everybody just pop on, I don't know if it's a mobile device or, or, uh, know computer or what and just you know, kind of have that uh, fellowship and and knock out some business in that in that way and i'm like oh crap this is going to be because i moved there in august of 2016 this is gonna be the first meeting that i'll be able to attend and it's because you know of of coronavirus not that to make lightly of anything but it's like oh shit i can i can be a part of this i still pay dues i can use my voice uh so um but you know it's Mother, uh, not mother, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. It took me a minute to find that one. Uh, and uh, we are finding ways. We talked about at the top of the show, teachers are doing tremendous jobs making sure that, you know, their students, you know, have, uh, you know, the, the curriculums, the lesson plans. Uh, I don't know about schools where you gentlemen live, but, uh, you know, my school district, although my son does not um, – you know, old enough really, but you know they they're doing meal pickups and things like that, or meal drop offs. I, su- I suppose, or I think now because of you know buses, they've changed it to where you just you know come in in Monday morning and you can get you know the meals for your kids for the whole week. You know, so the kids can still you know have the food that they normally get because some kids that's might be their you know only. Nutritious meals, you know, things like that. And Hoss, you probably see that, you know, uh, more than the two of us. But people are rallying, and we are going to get through this. We just don't know when. We don't know how long it's going to take. 
Um, but we're going to pull through. We're going to kick out, as they say in, in uh, wrestling vernacular. And uh, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll have a new normal. And uh, as long as John Dam Johnston is here with us, we at Coronation are going to be okay. <laughs> That's a heavy burden to bear. Yeah. I mean, you already scared us John once. You're not allowed to do it again. At all costs. Yeah. John, you shouldn't be going walking around outside. Well, you know what? Last, we put you in a protective uh, last bubble. Friday, last Friday was actually my last uh, time I I really went anywhere, and that was to a customer site to help everybody get out of the office. Well, you and stay I went. Put. On, I put on a pair of blue gloves and I walked around the warehouse, flipping everybody off <laughs> and yelling at them that now I'm flipping you off in blue. So appreciate it. None of that, honestly, none of that surprises me in the least. Nope. <laughs> uh, so I think that's going to bring our time this week to an end. Haas, uh, we don't. Your your schedule is about as uncertain as as anything in the world. Are you going to be able to join us next week? I was about to say, same time next week, guys. I like it. Huh. Should we uh, should we bust out the uh, webcams and have some beers and you know, yes. have a good time. But if we bust out the webcams, I'm going to take my pants off just so you guys know. As long as oh. the camera is above the table. That's all you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I do not have a webcam. I actually yes, have. Do. I have four laptops. Okay, that's the kind of IT guy I am. I have four laptops: two MacBook Pros, two Lenovo's. I am a guy who, if something breaks down, I'm still working to solve your problems. That's what I'm doing. Uh, but I do not have a webcam that's separate from the laptops. And today I went out looking for webcams on Amazon and the prices are inflated so much. It's unbelievable. And uh, come to find out it's because Amazon doesn't want people buying electronics right now. It's because they want people buying food and, and the ability to actually get them food. We got a pound of yeast in from Amazon today. I you know who uh, who else got some yeast? Uh, Ranch babe Jill because she's gonna make some wine. Did y'all see that? Jill's gonna make yeah. I Jill's did, gonna I make did, yeah. Uh, quarantine wine. God ever knows what that is. You know I've been, uh, I've been I've been supporting the yeast growers of America by buying beer. <laughs> yeah, that's me, me, you and me both, buddy. Um, I've been sw- I've been on a little cycle between Coors Banquet, Shiner Bach, and Fairy Nectar. Well, I haven't I've had any alcohol in over two weeks now. Look I don't, John. I don't know, John. You training for the end of the world? You know, I, I there's two reasons. You know, because I am probably considered vulnerable for this shit. Uh, I want, I don't want my immune system be to be shittier than it already is. And secondly, I just it's a chance for me to change my habits and become a healthier person. And uh, uh, I don't want to go to the liquor store because I figure all them virus-infected motherfuckers are going there. Oh, how are the winos doing through all this? Oh, they're no, they're still yeah. south. We we just we I found that out last week. They they went south for the winter. Yeah, but it's they it's, haven't come back. So yet. they're in New Orleans. It's funny though, <laughs> John, that that you mentioned that you know you're you're trying to maybe set set up a new lifestyle for yourself, and I wonder because there's no. March Madness or any sports right now, it, you know, if I, I wondered if, you know, like anybody who has a gambling addiction would be like, all right, well, I guess shit, no March Madness. I'm going to 
take this opportunity. You can't can't go to casinos, at least around here. They're all closed down as well. I guess I'm just going to give up gambling. And then I heard on ESPN 101 Sports or Talk Radio out of St. Louis today that those marble races that happen on YouTube, you can bet on the marble races. So, uh, yeah, There's sorry. marble races on YouTube. Yes. And uh, I, I've seen videos. I didn't realize they were done live or to a point that you could you know, bet on them. But I guess if they're done live, you know, you the one that I saw, somebody created a long path. I mean, it's like a three- or four-minute video. It's a long, slow downhill path in sand with various, you know, curves and tunnels and things like that. And that at one time, they release like a dozen marbles, and you just watch the marbles roll down to the finish line. It's mesmerizing. John, I'm going to send you a link. Okay. And we're going we're gonna to marble race this bitch up. Uh, and as long as there's a winner that's red, we'll know good things are in store for the Nebraska Cornhusker Athletics programs. Uh, but I think that'll do it for this episode. We're excited to have Haas back, uh, even if it's due to you know it, the insanity in the world today. It's always great to get the tripod back together as one. Uh, all that we ask- I really just needed people aside from who I live with to talk to. <laughs> Well, you are <laughs> not disagreeing with that. And I'm I'm guessing that my wife is just thrilled that I'm talking to somebody else besides people I live with too. <laughs> uh, but we're all in this together, guys. That's Ooh. right. That's right. Uh, at, at a six foot distance, uh, all we ask of you, the listener, if you like what we're doing here, just share it on social media. Uh, share the posts. Share the uh, you know we're on all the podcast apps. Share the link with uh, the people that that you might uh, think enjoy the show. And uh, uh, that, that's all. We'll, we'll be here next week for another fantastic episode of the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you last week, this week, next week, and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? I'd shoot you before I'd shoot my cat. Go Big Red! Let's get through this and win the damn off season.